This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you. It is JP in for Patricia right through on till one o'clock with Cork today. Patricia not feeling the best today, so we like continue on until one as Bernie takes your comments. If there's something you want to raise on the show or discuss this morning, you can call us on 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And shortly we will be crossing live to Donegal as technical examinations continue today, increase following that explosion at a service station on Friday in which 10 people died. Just such an, an awful tragedy and we'll be getting the latest from Donegal very shortly. Also on the programme this morning, why less officials should be allowed on the sidelines to reduce abuse given to referees at GAA matches. This is something that has come up over the last few weeks on the programme. And now the former GAA president and uh, MEP for Ireland South, Sean Kelly, is giving his view on this. And would this be a good idea? What do you feel? Do you think this would reduce the abuse or then would it have a knock-on effect? Some players do like having their uh, mentors or whoever's on the sideline roaring at them to spur them on outside of the supporters, of course, your views are welcome and while Sean is on he's been advocating a change when it comes to daylight savings and the clocks they will go back at the end of this month but we will try and get an update on what exactly is happening in Europe when it comes to the discussion of ending daylight savings times it has been mentioned and it started about five years ago when they wanted to change how this was done nothing has become of it there there was talks it would be now this year but no uh, not so so we'll have to wait and see uh, what is the future when it comes to that issue and should more be done to promote tourism for West Cork even consider West Cork as a separate county when it comes to tourism for promotion purposes this comes from new videos that have been launched over the last year or so by Tourism Ireland and indeed Fall to Ireland and Cork is this one, uh, which it is, but many feel it doesn't give a significant boost to West Cork and many in West Cork feel they are now competing with the likes of County Clare, Kerry, Galway. And when you see a 20 second snapshot of Cork, uh, it's very hard to sell the, the entire region of West Cork when it's lumbered in with Cork City and other areas of Cork. So uh, should it be considered a separate county when it comes to the promotion of tourism? Your views are welcome on that. We'll be speaking uh, 
with West Cork Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan who's on the Oireachtas Tourist Committee on this to see if that is possible and can that be done or is work already underway on this and staying with West Cork because a New Zealand bar owner who spent time in Clonakilty he is looking for staff who are from the West Cork area to join his workforce in his bars in New Zealand why? We'll chat with him later in the show and Annalisa Drizel answers your nutritional questions later after 12.30 so that and more to come on the programme this morning your viewers are welcome 0818103103 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 uh, but uh, let's first of all have a look at those awful incidents that, that took place and the scenes we saw across the weekend from Donegal uh, vigils were held across County Donegal last night in memory of the 10 people who'd lost their lives in the Krishla tragedy in Downings this is a neighbouring community hundreds of people there gathered at the GAA pitch to pay their respects among them were the young sons of Martina Martin. Now, she was one of the mothers who died in the explosion and many also were there to remember Hugh Kelly, who was a native of Downings. He was from that area uh, and he lost his life in the blast. And one local man, Brian Boyce, uh, he summed it up for everybody in the community there saying, uh, it, obviously enough, it was a very emotional night for, for people and it was just a terrible tragedy. But he feels that this is going to be felt for a very, very long time in the area. It's just something that's so hard to make sense of when it comes to your area, uh, said the local man Brian Boyce. And many people knew the families, they knew the victims personally, and it's a pain that they will have to carry now on for the rest of their lives. And then looking at the sons of Martina Martin, who was one of those who was killed, her two young lads were there uh, at the vigil last night. You know, many people are looking at them and just thinking of, of their mother. Uh, who was caught up in that explosion and then to Manor Cunningham uh, where they filled a resource centre to pay their respects to the 10 people that died and the chairperson of the Manor Cunningham Resource Centre in Donegal, Carmel Doherty, uh, she decided to host the vigil because she felt that people in the community were feeling helpless and that they wanted to help the people of Krishla uh, and, and wanted to let them know that they were thinking of them. Uh, she says the whole of Donegal is just heartbroken and the country is in mourning there is no words and then uh, Brian Dolan who uh, I think many of you might have heard this story at this stage but I just think it shows the innocence of young people he was one of the first on the scene and he was basically going through the rubble after the explosion and he came across this disorientated young girl who all she wanted to do was go back in for her ice cream. He thinks at some stage she must have been inside the shop close to the ice cream machine. Obviously, she left the shop for one reason or another. And despite the chaos that was surrounding her, she just wanted to go back in to that shop for her ice cream. Now, he lifted her up and brought her out of this scenario. Uh, but it just goes to show, oh, you know, in the midst of everything, the innocence of young people still prevails. And uh, one man is continuing to fight for his life in St. James's Hospital in Dublin uh, three days after the explosion. But as I mentioned, a number of vigils were held uh, last night across Donegal. One of those in Krishla itself and these are people who were making their way to the evening prayers last night in the area. Oh, we're just... just no, it's just Do you feel useless? No, you just feel like... Don't you? Just words, just you can't describe, really, you know. 
when we feel how the town feels, it's just never be the same again. Never be the same. Like we have girls up there, like sisters to us, mm-hmm. everybody and brothers. You know, you're done and they nearly know what you're going to buy. You know, may they all rest in peace. We just knew them, they were like family. Everybody was Everyone like family, we were like related to them, you know, down there and the girls named you. And, you know, it's just heartbreaking, we're all like, everybody's devastated. It's not devastated in the parties, like, it's just so sad. Just maybe towns, maybe towns wrecked and all the people were there, except for two, I knew them all. You can hear the distress in those uh, local people from Krishla who were uh, on their way to the evening prayers last night speaking to our reporter Barry White who you would have heard across our news bulletins reporting at the weekend and he will join us uh, shortly on the programme with the latest from Donegal. Also on post is paying tribute to the staff who were working at the post office. It's set up a Krishla community support fund to help people affected by last Friday's tragic events in the area and Anna McHugh who is the head of corporate communications at Ampo she says people can donate now at every post office right across the country. She spoke to our news team earlier this morning. On behalf of us all in Unpost, we express our condolences and send our thoughts and prayers to all of the community in Creesla. At every post office, people can donate to a Creesla Community Support Fund, which we're linking with the Irish Red Cross to ensure that all funds will go directly to local services. And we will be crossing lines to Donegal very shortly. But yeah, your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And also uh, we'll be hearing about vigils taking place here in Cork over the next week or so. Good morning to you, JP, in for Patricia right through until one. And something that I will discuss later on the show, and this is how house building is to fall next year. Many developers are warning of delays to new schemes, and this can be either one-off housing, but also in regards to housing housing estates because they're now going to face spiralling costs. We all know costs were increasing when it comes to timber anyhow and the rising costs of materials but now because of what's come in with the levy on what they're calling cement and the concrete blocks introduced in the budget, they feel this is going to have further delays over next year, 2023. We'll uh, touch back on that later in the programme but are you one of those maybe building a one-off home who is noticing now uh, that it's going to cost a lot more uh, than it would have cost because of what's happened in the budget and because of the increasing costs when it comes to materials and timber and whatnot, let us know 0818 103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we'll cross live to Donegal next and join our reporter there uh, for us uh, who was there across the weekend and is there again today uh, Barry White we'll speak with Barry next Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 On this Monday morning a community is trying to come to terms with the death of 10 people who died in an explosion at the Apple Green service station and apartment block in Krishla in County Donegal last Friday afternoon. To talk about the heartbreaking tragedy, I'm joined this morning by our reporter Barry White in Donegal. Good morning to you, Barry. Hi, JP. How are you? I'm Good fine, morning. and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. I suppose uh, from Cork to Donegal, our deepest sympathies are with the entire community there, and I'd imagine a very sombre mood this morning in the area. Yeah, I think yeah, the first 48 hours here, after the explosion, there was a state of shock, and people just couldn't really comprehend what had happened here. But then, I suppose, as the names of the 10 victims started to emerge here locally, and then as the the funeral details start to emerge today, 
Um, I think it's just grief now. Uh, grief stricken. There's going to be 10 funerals here in a in the wider kind of Creasley area, a very small net community population of only about 400 people. Um, 10 people gone in the blink of an eye. You know, 2.5% of the population gone in the blink of an eye. Um, and the first funerals will be tomorrow, the funeral of 24-year-old Jessica Gallagher, who died in the blast, will take place at 11 o'clock here tomorrow, while Martin McGill, a 49-year-old originally from Scotland, who had lived here for about 10 years, his funeral's at 2 o'clock tomorrow. So two funerals here in this small village tomorrow, and as I said, there's going to be 10 funerals here in total this week. But yeah, it's, it's very, very hard to comprehend, and the, the place is just kind of numb with grief. And as you mentioned, they're a small community. I mean, we all know uh, these type of villages right across Ireland. If there is one death, the entire community comes together. But when there's a tragedy like like this that has happened, it does change the entire outlook for a village. And while people are coming together over the last few days, I mean, uh, how this happened and the names when they were released yesterday afternoon, Barry, you know, it, it puts the, the reality uh, on this. And the stories behind the people, you know, this morning I forgot my breakfast and I popped into a local petrol station here. Uh, to get something for breakfast and a coffee a lot of people were doing the same thing Friday afternoon popping in to buy cake or, or for one thing or another Yeah I suppose you mentioned that there's so many small villages like this around Ireland small rural villages here in Creasla this wasn't just a shop and a, a petrol station this is like the hub of the community the heart of the community there was a shop there's a petrol station there's the deli counter there's the butcher's there's the post office and there was also a hairdresser's in the building and then obviously you had the apartments above the shop. Um, but, you know, this could have been anyone in this locality who had popped into the shop. You would have local people who would be popping in here every day to, to grab a loaf of bread or grab a pint of milk or to buy the newspaper or whatever. And then on Fridays, it seems to be even busier on a Friday here. You know, you've when the kids finish school, they'll pop in to, to buy sweets for their parents or to get an ice cream and then you have older people collecting their pensions on a Friday in the post office. And yeah, as you mentioned, some of the stories, you know, Robert Garway and his daughter, Shauna, went into the shop to, to get the, the child's mother a birthday cake and a birthday card. And Martin McGill there, who I mentioned his funeral tomorrow, he was getting a takeaway in the village, but the, the takeaway in the village didn't take cars. So he had just popped in to use the ATM machine to get cash. And yeah, there's many stories like that. Um, Leona Harper, 14-year-old who died in the explosion, she's from uh, Remelton, which is a village nearby, but she was here down visiting friends. They were having a sleepover on Friday nights and they had just gone into the shop to buy some sweets or whatever as well. But um, I think those kind of rand- the randomness of those stories kind of just highlights that this could have been anyone in the village um, it really, really could have been anyone. And as you say, you know, you popped into a shop today um, and we all do it. And, but it was just like a, a, those split few seconds um, in the blink of an eye, 10 people just uh, perished here. And it's just, it's absolutely tragic. And just on what happened Friday, the community really did rally around before emergency services could get to the scene. Locals were trying to go through the bricks to see what they could do uh, before emergency services did attend in Krishla. And with the explosion, it seems there was no major fire or anything like this, just a, a massive explosion that did rip through that shopping complex and indeed the apartment blocks. Yeah, so Gardy say at this stage, I think it was a freak accident caused by a gas leak. And as you say, yeah, a massive explosion, no real flames. Um, I think there's two walls of this apartment block that kind of just blew out the way. And 
as she's, as anybody, have any, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the pictures from from the blast now on Friday, and the destruction was just, it was like it was hit by a bomb. It was like just something from a war-torn country. And I, like I, I'm from Lefferton, County Donegal originally, which is only it's 30 miles away here from Chrysler. And I was in the newsroom in Dublin on Friday, and I started getting text messages. One of my friends was in nearby Dunfana. He played golf. He says he heard a, an explosion. And another friend in Letterkenny, which is just about a 20-minute drive away, says he, he seen lots of sirens. Uh, lots of fire brigade, lots of ambulances. People were wondering what was going on, and then when the pictures started to filter through, I kind of just—I uh, was sent a picture, and I just knew straight away that this was not good. I knew how busy the shop would be, and I seen the destruction. Um, so I just hopped in the car then and drove from Dublin to Crystal, and then the news kind of started to filter through just how how serious this was. And I suppose, as you say, before the emergency services got here, you had locals just going in and going through the rubble and uh, told that they, they tried to make some sort of tried to clear the kind of area for ambulances and fire brigade when they arrived as well but some of the locals I've been speaking to says you know they were kind of so high in a trend they were going in and they were lifting rocks and you know they're looking back now and they, they don't know how they were able to lift such heavy rocks and heavy rubble but I suppose adrenaline takes over when, when, when something like this happens uh, yeah, totally it does. And what's it like for you, you know, you're, you're reporting a long time and you're used to going to various events, uh, be that good or, or bad, but when it's something near your own community and in County Donegal, uh, what's it like for you seeing those pictures as a reporter and then knowing you must go to this scene uh, where you'll be familiar with the area and, and with villages like Krishla? Yeah, it's very, very close to home. And so when I arrived here and on Friday... Uh, Friday evening, Friday night, you know, I was bumping into people who I knew, you know, who were standing around the garden, you know, friends of friends or uh, parents of friends I know. And um, there was one local journalist who I've known for years who, who I bumped into. He was one of the first people on the scene. He's from Chrysler and he's a cousin who died in the in the explosion. So, you know, very, very close to home. And yeah, it's just, it's hard. But I think if there's any positive to take from this, and I know it's hard to take any positive, but it's been the reaction of the local people and the kindness and the generosity they've shown to people. Um, you know, the people offering up their homes, the members of the emergency services. And then there's a, a local coffee shop here called the Coffee Pod near uh, where the blast happened. And they've remained open since it happened. They haven't closed at all. Uh, and they haven't charged anybody uh, for any drinks or for any food, including journalists. I think some of the Dublin journalists up here were just shocked by the kindness, but that's that's what people in Donegal are like, and um, that's shone through, and hopefully that kind of community spirit and that kindness will help the people here get through what is going to be a tough week with 10 funerals, but then, you know, when the public eye kind of is off this area, it's going to be very, very tough for the next weeks, next months, years even, and it's probably something that people here will never, ever get over. And that's the thing. Once the media leave and the politicians leave, the community still remains without those 10 people. So it's going to be very, very tough on that entire community and families and extended family and friends. I mentioned political there. Of course, on Taoiseach Micheál Martin uh, visited the area at the weekend to give comfort to people, as did the Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. Yeah, Taoiseach Micheál Martin, Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. Actually, the Leo Varadkar was here as well. They went up and they, they visited the scene and they, they met members of the emergency services. And then there was a vigil on Saturday night where uh, the likes of Hall Martin and Leo Varadkar and Mary Lou McDonald would have met family members and uh, of the victims. And they met family members of uh, some of the people who were injured. Um, 
but yeah, this, this, the world's media has just arrived here yesterday. I've, I don't think I've ever seen so much media in the one place in my uh, journalism career. You had journalists from Sky News in the UK and you had some journalists who travelled over from other parts of the world, but this is really, this is world news. This is not just Donegal news or Irish news because uh, an explosion like this where 10 people die in a small net community in a rural village, it doesn't happen. Uh, and that's why it's been so so shocking. And now the week ahead, the logistics for the funerals, how will that work when you have a small parish which will have to deal with 10 funerals? It's a, it's a big undertaking. Yeah, it is. And so some of the funeral details are just starting to, to emerge now and the first funerals will be tomorrow. Um, 24-year-old Jessica Gallagher, who, who died in the explosion, she was in one of the apartments above the shop with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's remains in hospital in Dublin in a critical condition. Her funeral takes place tomorrow at 11 o'clock. That'll be the first funeral here in Chrysler. And I actually was at a vigil in Letterkenny last night at the Letterkenny Rugby Club because uh, one of their players was Leona Harper, a young girl, 14 years of age, played for their youth team. But when I was driving back from Letterkenny, I was behind the removal of the remains for Jessica Gallagher and it was it was almost surreal uh, along the N56 between Letterkenny and Chrysler. Just hundreds of people standing out with candles paying their respects and again just showing the, the dignified response that people of Donegal have had but yeah Jessica's funeral will be the first one tomorrow and then at 2 o'clock tomorrow um, 49 year old Martin McGill his funeral will take place he's a, originally from Scotland he's lived here for 10 years um, very popular man locally he was known as Scotch Martin but that's the first two funerals tomorrow then on Wednesday a man called James O'Flaherty uh, another man in his late 40s he was originally from Australia lived just on the outskirts of Creasla, on the outskirts of Creasla and Dunfanaghy. His funeral takes place tomorrow afternoon in a Derry Bag in West Donegal. So that's that's the first three funerals confirmed. But the details of their estimate are going to emerge this week and I think there'll be out of the ten funerals there's going to be seven in St Michael's Church here in Creasla in this small community. And uh, Father John Joe Duffy here, the parish priest, will be you know, he'll be the uh, the priest at all those funerals and it must be so so tough for him as well because he knows everybody here and I spoke to him several times over the last couple of days and you can see the hurt on his face and this must be so difficult for him um, because I suppose a lot of people look to him as the kind of father figure and the, the person to turn to um, but it's also very difficult for him as well. Of course and he, as you said he knows them but he'll have to speak to each family individually and go through what they would like for every funeral so it is going to be a very tough week ahead for everybody there. Our sympathies Barry to the entire community in Krishla uh, in Donegal and indeed the entirety of Donegal from everybody here in Cork and um, best of luck for the coming week. Thank you. Take care. Mind yourself. That is our, our reporter, Barry White, uh, joining us live from Crucia in County Donegal. As I mentioned, there are vigils being held in Donegal, but also vigils being planned for Cork. And while 10 red candles will continue to burn at the altar of St. Michael's Church in Crucia uh, through the week, uh, one for each victim uh, following that huge explosion uh, here in Cork, uh, many vigils are going to be planned. One of those is in Bandon, and Councillor Sean O'Donovan is organising that. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, we heard there Barry outlined the incident. I mean, this could be any small town or village in Ireland. You know, any uh, many of us jump into a shop for one or two things for three or four minutes and it, it could happen to anybody. And I think that's what's bringing it home to people. Uh, more so in maybe more rural areas and small villages, whereas Barry outlined uh, 10 people and a loss of that uh, many people is a huge uh, knock-on effect for the for the community population-wise as well. 
it's a huge blow to small communities and a community but particularly mm. a small one you know um, and as you say it could be any village in Ireland um, I, I don't I don't know what to say really I suppose my heart goes out to the people up there um, and just want to express my deepest sympathy to everyone up there and, and just you know our thoughts and prayers are with them and because of what people are seeing and watching unfold, many communities now are, are paying their respects. You're one of those and you're organising a vigil in Bandon this week. That's right, John Paul. I have a vigil organised for this Wednesday at 7pm at Bridge Place in Bandon. That's the fish corner to anyone local that would know it as. Um, so we're just going to have some candles and some... Uh, I suppose prayer time and silent time and a little bit of music just to show our solidarity with the with the people in Donegal, you know. And that's on Wednesday at what time again? Seven o'clock this Wednesday. Seven o'clock this Wednesday evening at uh, Bridge Place or locally known as the Fish Corner in Bandon. And as communities gather around, I mean, Bandon itself has seen its own tragedies in the past and also big weather events changing the nature of the town. So uh, from what has happened in the past, you'll be relaying that to the, the community in Donegal. Um, absolutely, yeah. And I suppose when something like this happens in a community, it's, the community gathers around and that's the strength, I suppose, that um, that kind of gets you through the situation that you're in. And I suppose that's, what, that's what's happening in Donegal and we just want to show, as I said, our solidarity with them and show them that we're thinking of them and sending them prayers and our thoughts up there, you know. Indeed. Uh, well, it's one of many, I'm sure, that will take place in Cork across the week for the moment. Sean, thanks for joining us and letting us know of that. That is Councillor Sean O'Donovan joining us from Bandon Wednesday at 7pm in Bandon Town is the vigil there uh, for those in Krishla in Donegal. And if you are organising similar, let us know. We'll announce that for you here on the show. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or you can call Bernie on 0818103103 and we'll bring you any further development from Donegal across the programme. Uh, let's continue on and while there's a lot of talk about tourism following the summer and people review uh, how the tourists and indeed the tourism season went, there's now calls to promote tourism more for the Cork area and even if West Cork itself should be considered a separate county when it comes to tourism. This is for promotional purposes. We'll discuss that next. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comments. 086-2103-103. Tourism Ireland has launched a $1 million advertising campaign in the United States and this is highlighting Shannon Airport as the gateway to the Wild Atlantic Way. Now some of our listeners are asking and wondering will West Cork be included as part of this campaign and if not, why not? Well, Fianna Fáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan is a member of the Oireachtas Tourism Committee and joins me this morning. Good morning to you Christopher. Hey, John Paul. And first of all, from one end of the Wild Atlantic Way to the other end, uh, are our thoughts and yours as well, I'm sure, very much with Donegal this morning. Yeah, it's um, it really upsetting, I think, to see the, the scenes from uh, Donegal over the weekend um, the when the images emerged uh, of those who deceased. I think it just, uh, you know, the whole event sent shockwaves right through the nation, but to see the images, to see the range of ages um you know it, it it was representative of of people right across this island uh, those who lost their lives um you know very very hard to kind of speak about it i guess without uh, getting emotional 
Um, I, I think it's unbelievably heartening, uh, and I hope it's heartening for the people of Queenslock and the people of Donegal to see the outpouring of support um, from right across the Ireland, uh, island uh, to to uh, what's happened. And um, look, I, I think in terms of just to echo Michal Martin's uh, words soon after the event, um, we will not be found wanting uh, as a government, uh, or you know, right across across all parties when it comes to supporting. Uh, the families uh, of those who have been impacted by this um, really, really tragic event. So definitely uh, our thoughts are, are with them and, uh, you know, we're thinking of them. Okay, and on the issue of tourism and when it comes to Tourism Ireland, for example, do you think, Christopher, us here in Cork as a whole, first of all, do we get our fair share of the advertising spins that Tourism Ireland provide for, uh, for, for their, first of all, their campaigns? No, it, it feels like it's a constant battle, um, John Paul. And you know, you, you're right. That this is this isn't just a, a West Cork thing. Yes, I'm here as a West Cork TV representing West Cork, but right across the county. Um, you know, we all know in this county the tourism offering that we have. I mean, right up to, to Mallow, Donnerail, uh, Ballycotton in the east, and and um, the city itself, and all right from Kinsale down to the the Bear Peninsula. Um, it's wonderful, and it, it seems like we're you know constantly coming up against obstacles and brick, brick walls when it comes to getting a fair shot of uh, promoting uh, and the, the share of advertising spend in terms of promoting um, regions in the States and in, and in Europe as well. So, no, it, it doesn't seem to be the case. And I think that's been underlined by this latest Tourism Ireland campaign that you know they're spending a million euro to advertise um, the Wild Atlantic Way in the uh, in the US. I mean, it makes sense, I suppose, from a certain point of view to focus in and around the Shannon area because that's where those transatlantic flights are coming in. Unfortunately, Cork, even though we do have a, a spanking brand new runway that can accommodate transatlantic flights, we, we, we don't have those routes in place yet. And I know the, the team at Cork Airport, in fairness, they are working to add routes and they have added routes. And I know they're working to add a, a, a transatlantic route as well. But at the same time, we've had this debate before in your show, John Paul, where uh, they tried to brand Killarney as the gateway to the, the, the Wild Atlantic Way and that caused uproar. Now they're trying to brand Shannon as the gateway to the Wild Atlantic Way. When we all know, and this isn't just being parochial, uh, it makes most sense to describe uh, Kinsale and Cork as the gateway to the Wild Atlantic Way. We have a fantastic airport. Cork City is an incredible city in itself. Um, and Kinsale is the obvious uh, choice to, to start your Wild Atlantic Way journey. And I'd love to see Tourism Ireland as the body who are given the responsibility for promoting Ireland abroad I would love to see them acknowledge that more and that's something I will be calling for. Well on the maps that's where more or less it starts so you would think they would go with the Kinsale or indeed Cork City but uh, from Tourism Ireland then who will be looking at Ireland abroad to fall to Ireland who are responsible for the domestic markets uh, could they do more to highlight the area because many say and you outlined it there it's very hard for Cork in, in 20 seconds to show uh, Mallow to show Donnerell Park to show various areas of Cork City and then the coastlines of West Cork it's simply not possible and you're even leaving out other parts of the county there should they either have separate adverts for various areas of Cork or should West Cork as many are saying just be considered a separate county when it comes to tourism for promotional purposes just be careful what I say now about West Cork being considered a separate county John Paul (laughs) we're very proud of of where we are from down here but I think uh, when it comes to GA in particular we're, we're stronger together but Definitely. Look, we've, we've had this debate before. In many instances, Falch Ireland are trying to reinvent the wheel. We had a battle with them where they tried to rebrand West Cork as the Haven Coast 
Um, that's something that we battled. That's something that I brought up at the Tourism Committee when we last had Paul Kelly, who's the head of False Ireland, in in front of us. Um, and thankfully, they abandoned that because it was it was confusing and it was um, dampening and uh, diluting a brand that is already there. West Cork is um, absolutely uh, world-renowned at this stage. People uh, know exactly what to expect when you think of West Cork and you think of the islands and the peninsulas and the food and the cottage industry. So... Falls Ireland, sometimes I think they, they overcomplicate things. Um, no, thankfully, they've abandoned that plan of the Haven Coast. We are now recognised in the Wild Atlantic Way as West Cork. What I would really love to see now is just to get behind um, promoting these regional areas. And, and we've mentioned West Cork, as I said, because I'm from there. But what's happening uh, in, in the last couple of years, John Paul, if you talk to people who are involved in the tourism industry, they will talk about um, August and September um, and July even of, of 2021 being an absolute bumper uh, period. This was when people couldn't travel abroad and people were discovering Ireland for the first time. They were discovering all parts of Ireland, north and south, um, and certainly uh, places like Mizzenhead, Cape Clear, Kinsale, Clannacilty. They were full of, of domestic tourists. Now, unfortunately, what's happened this year, uh, and look, it was always expected, people had a pent-up demand to travel. They had a pent-up demand to go abroad. We saw what happened with the demand for passports simply because people were looking to travel for the first time. And unfortunately, it, it seems as though in, in many parts of region Ireland, it took a hit. Numbers were, were certainly down anecdotally. So what we need now over the winter from Falls Ireland and indeed Tourism Ireland is a really um, ramped up, uh, focused campaign to promote the regions, to ensure that hotels were going through a tough enough time already with energy costs and restaurants the same and cafes, energy costs. Uh, I mean, the, the, there's a question mark over VAT at the moment, unfortunately. Um, they need a bit of reinsurance and I think Falls Ireland and Tourism Ireland have a role to play in promoting these regions. And in promotion of the regions then many people uh, this morning even again on text are asking signposts if you're travelling along uh, down the country from if you're coming from Dublin for example uh, and you want to explore uh, there is no signs for West Cork on any of the main routes in the city you'll see Skibbereen you'll see Killarney but they don't specifically say West Cork. Yeah, that, that's, and that's a battle I've been fighting for a long time in my days as a county councillor as well. It's something I was hoping that in my term as mayor that we would rectify. But um, at, at the moment, along the uh, south link, the N40, uh, it seems as though all roads lead to Kerry, which, you know, it, I feel that's us as a county shooting ourselves in the foot somewhat. Um, yes, yeah, Skibbereen is thankfully uh, indicated um, as a destination on the, the south link, but... You know, what I would love to see is those um, really well-designed uh, tourism, uh, those brown uh, tourism signs with some of the highlights of West Cork, such as, you know, the, the, the Fastness uh, Rock, for example, or uh, Charles Fort, or uh, some of the really iconic uh, places around West Cork. Uh, you know, one of those signs indicating what you can see. You see it on the motorways in France, and they're so, so effective if you're camping around France or if you're, if you're uh, you know, doing a bit of a road trip around France, and you see something that catches the eye like that. You know, you, you want to go to it. It really draws you to that place. So that's, that's again, a, a battle I'm still fighting. So what, what I've done is, um, on the back of the fact that, that West Cork isn't yet featuring in this um, really expensive campaign that's been put together by Tourism Ireland, I uh, will be writing to the Secretary of the Tourism Committee to ask them to invite Paul Kelly, who's the head of Falls Ireland, and Niall Gibbons, who's the head of Tourism Ireland, into the committee room and, and ask them to, to so ask the hard questions. Why isn't West Cork featuring? Will West Cork feature? And not just West Cork. You know, the, the, the all areas, yeah, the same for North Cork, East the, Cork, and, and other areas, areas who, who were left exactly. out. And, and as well as that, to, to work with Cork Airport, I mean, 
the, 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 the praises I've heard for Cork Airport over this um, summer period when Dublin was absolutely capitulating Cork Airport came through as the shining light in terms of how they run it so we need to get that uh, transatlantic flight in there and what was the outcome on the signpost and what was the effort do you ever get a, a reasoning on why they would just say no they didn't want to put up that uh, on the signs on the south link yeah their their um, uh, excuse was that there's a policy for a limit to the number of signs that they will have on, on any routes uh, they said that there would be an over proliferation of signage if they were to put more signage in there I don't accept that um, I don't buy that and, uh, you but could they not change the signs that are already there and just put West Cork on those signs you know, as as people say, John Paul, everything is possible with a bit of thought and a bit of imagination. Part of me thinks that perhaps maybe it's too much trouble to go uh, and and sell a sign, but that's that's not a good, good enough excuse. We always have to um, be uh, cognizant as well of the, the the Kerry lobby. I mean, for for years and years and years, uh, Kerry has just outsmarted us in terms of um, funding for tourism, promotion for tourism, and we've seen what's happened with with the success of Killarney uh, because of that. Um, so we need a bit of that. I, we have to be careful, John Paul, because one of the reasons people do love places like West Cork and Ballycotton and Donnerail is because it's not overrun uh, with tours. So you've got to be careful what you wish for, but certainly um, we could do with a bigger chunk of, of the pie and, and bigger section of the pie in terms of uh, getting the numbers down here. There's people in hospitality are concerned at the moment, uh, whether you're a restaurant owner, a cafe owner, or a hotel um, you know they had a great 2021 2022 wasn't as good we'd really love to see both domestic and international tourists back yeah and I suppose as you mentioned they'll have to wait and see what happens then I mean that that, that rate is that more or less safe that it's going to come in or is that still under review yeah it's I mean as it's written into the budget uh, the word review is mentioned so the, the at, at present um, what's expected will, will happen is that it will go back to the uh, 13% in uh, February 2023 now you know, my I made my position very clear about this. I wanted a lot of eight to remain at nine percent, um, mainly because this um, uh, tiring everybody with the same brush. We saw what happened in Dublin with uh, the, the prices some hotels were charging for rooms, but that certainly was not the case in West Cork. It wasn't the case in Clare. It wasn't the case in Kerry. The regional areas really they they know how to operate family-run hotels. They know that they have to look after the customers, and they know they want people to come back. But what happened is everyone was tired with the same brush. Um, I will certainly, between now and February, will be lobbying hard uh, to try and make that uh, sure that that rate stays at 9%. But at the same time, I have to, I can't be disingenuous with people. I have to um, be honest and say that may not be the case, but I certainly won't be found wanting in terms of trying to make sure that it stays the same. But maybe Michael McGrath might be a Minister for Finance at that point, John Paul, and he, he, he might listen to me more. We'll have to wait and see what happens for the moment. Christopher, I have to leave it there. I'm over on time, Thank but thanks so for joining us this morning. That is uh, Cork's of West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan. Your views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We're back after a C103. It's JP with you until one in for Patricia today. And on the way, we're going to hear and discuss, and your views are welcome on this. Would you like to see less officials allowed on the sidelines, on the pitch? to reduce abuse given to referees at GAA matches. We spoke to a number of referees over the last number of weeks and they feel that there's just too much abuse now uh, towards referees. Now, some of the callers agreed. Some others uh, felt that referees needed to update themselves on training courses. So there was a mixed views on this, but I don't think anybody overall felt uh, that violence should play a part when it comes to any attack on a referee. Uh, but then removing officials from a sideline is that good or bad some feel that if you do uh, remove them 
you know they can spur on players if it's towards the end of the game and there might be only a few points left between both sides you know they could make a difference to spur their players on or one or two of the players who they feel need that extra push to, to do whatever so your views are welcome on that uh, discussing that shortly 0818103103 text or whatsapp 2103103 the former GAA president and current Ireland South MEP Sean Kelly will join us and also while Sean is on we will be asking him about the clocks which uh, we'll go back at the end of this month but we will try and find out anyhow what is happening regarding an update when it comes to daylight saving times across Europe it, something uh, was due to happen over the last number of years it never did but there was a lot of talks in 2017 2018 2019 they thought around maybe this year and next year that daylight savings would be gone it would never happen but uh, at the moment uh, there is no real update but we'll see what we can find out anyhow this morning and or where that is going if it's going anywhere and also I'll be speaking to a New Zealand bar owner. Uh, he spent a bit of time in Clonakilty over the years. He felt the bar staff in West Cork were so friendly, friendly uh, that he now wants West Cork staff to join his workforce in New Zealand. He'll chat with us as well before uh, midday. So that and more to come along with your thoughts and a number of uh, texts and WhatsApps coming in. And this is to do uh, with our conversation earlier, our, our reporter Barry White in Krishla in Donegal and just outlining uh, the, the effects on the community today as they prepare for uh, 10 funerals right across uh, this week and maybe into next week. And Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp says, JP, there are no words, just heartbroken for the people of Krishla. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. And Michael says, there's an old Irish prayer that goes those we love don't go away they walk beside us every day unseen unheard but always near still loved still missed and very dear and death leaves a heartache no one can heal yet love leaves a memory no one can steal Krishla, we all stand with you. Uh, thank you, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp. And thank you, Michael, for uh, that old Irish prayer. I think it's very touching for those, uh, for anybody uh, in this time when you're going through something like that and the tragedy that did occur uh, last Friday. And then somebody else who was travelling to Galway on Saturday morning and stopped outside of Mallow on the Limerick Road for a coffee. And they said the filling station was mobbed with carloads of young children after a match and you know everybody was happy but this person was thinking in their own minds and, and was just thinking of what happened in Donegal and they said that there was no escaping if anything was to happen you know you, you were just caught up in this so they say their heart goes out to all the young lives and indeed the families that are left to grieve because it just shows how precious life is and indeed it does and it could be any one of us I mean Barry outlined earlier the reasons people were going in to buy birthday cake or popping in to use the ATM and lives change in a matter of seconds you know life is precious so you're right it could be any one of us we all pop into a shop uh, for bits and pieces every day so I think that's why people are really looking at this uh, and sharing their grief and organising vigils here in Cork to be with those in Donegal this week and then Daylight Savings which we will discuss shortly on the programme Shay on text is saying that he doesn't think that they will ever or the European Union will ever do away with switching back and forth the hour but 
even if they put the clocks forward again on the 1st of February as it's the first day of spring and at that stage there is a good noticeable stretch in the evening and the hour put forward would be a great addition and it would shorten the winter feeling anyway says Shay uh, your thoughts if this is a good idea to begin with uh, Shay says well uh, yeah I mean it, it is uh, an idea I think many would welcome Shay because once February comes it's, it's obvious spring is near and even though sometimes the weather in February can be the, can be the the worst when it comes to cold spells but then it can change as well I mean we've had a good uh, run at uh, March has been a, not the worst month over the last few years but yeah no you're right Jay would it be a good idea it would be if they're not going to do away with daylight savings uh, increasing the daylight uh, from spring onwards the 1st of February would you agree with that what Jay says it's not a bad idea at all. Uh, we'll put that to uh, Sean when he's on with us. Is that something that they would consider? Uh, given we'll have to wait and see what they are considering first regarding the whole issue. And then when it comes to tourism, and this is our discussion with Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, who's on the Oireachtas Committee uh, for Tourism in uh, the Doyle. And within this, there's a lot of questions over the adverts we all see here in Ireland, but also abroad for various parts of this country. And many feel that Cork, because of the size of the county, various areas in Cork are not getting their fair share. That you'll see snippets from East Cork, North Cork, Cork City and West Cork. And many in West Cork feel because it is a, a large tourism area and a lot of the businesses there, a lot of the, the money spent is to do with tourism. West Cork feels it should be, just for tourism purposes, considered a separate county and have separate branding and have separate adverts when it comes to the promotion of the area for tourism. Uh, well, on this, Risha says, yes, I do agree. I do feel Cork loses out. It's just too big. Risha feels the same areas are always highlighted in every ad. You see the English market, you'll see Mizzen Bridge, you might see a beach, but she goes, it's always the same. They need to up and realise there is other areas. Uh, Risha says it's hard to highlight uh, the other areas then and they get forgotten about. Uh, she feels a change to the tourism board is needed and how they think. While Carmel is in Bandon regarding the signpost, uh, she agrees. She says the signs on the South Rink, uh, the South Ring even, this is the N40 that Christopher spoke of, uh, they have no indication to turn off. And yes, many people have sat navs, but at the same time, people do rely on signposts. There's a complete lack of signage for West Cork. You see Skibbereen on there, you see Killarney, uh, but there's nothing for West Cork. Carmel says this is similar for other parts of the county. While Donal feels the Mitchellstown and Formoy area is always forgotten when it comes to tourism, you never see it mentioned, and there is beautiful walks and scenery in the areas. The Galtys, another area that gets lack of a mention and again beautiful to look at so while local groups do promote it very well nationally Donald says you never see the area promoted and Michael says JP has Christopher forgot about the real West Cork the Bearer Peninsula he mentioned to you the Fastnet Rock but what about the Bull Rock what about uh, the Bull Rock of Jersey Head of course the last light that the Titanic sea uh, on our saw on her uh, fatal voyage says Michael uh, well maybe he just didn't want to list all of them but yeah uh, the Bear Peninsula would be a nearly area and some would say Michael within West Cork itself that Bear should be considered separate again when it comes to tourism uh, so yeah that debate continues uh, thank you for your text to 0862103103 WhatsApp on the same number or you can call Bernie with your comments on 0818103103 and can we help this person because this is the person on WhatsApp who was out last night 
and uh, they are putting this quest out to any cab drivers, to any city cab drivers, taxi drivers tuned in. If you were working late last night on the Grand Parade, uh, this person thinks they may left keys in the car we got. They got a cab uh, from the Grand Parade to Glasheen. It was a car and they want to know any taxi drivers out there who were working late last night and were parked up in Grand Parade if there's a set of keys by any chance left in your cab if there is uh, get in contact with us and we had that person's number and we can pass it on if you are a taxi driver and you were working late last night in the city centre uh, in Grand Parade and maybe you remember taking someone to Glasheen uh, well check the cab you may have a set of keys there that this person wants back uh, let us know 0818 103 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs and on today's job slot, we have the following vacancies. A site dumper and general operative is wanted in the Cork McSherry area. You can email your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com or phone 0871650527. A clinical nurse manager is wanted for Nazareth House Nursing Home. Email your CV to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com. And Jones Agri in Belly Desmond has a vacancy for an office person with some experience in her hardware and agri areas. You can forward your CV to jonesagri at gmail.com. You'll find these details and indeed more job opportunities. They're online now. If you just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs, you'll get more details of those jobs and many more. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And a number of emails in regarding tourism and people are highlighting adverts from Tourism Ireland in particular. And these are adverts aimed at tourists abroad, maybe in America. Canada is another example. Uh, but they're not showing various areas of Cork. Anyhow, I'll get to those very shortly on the programme. But MEP and former GAA President Sean Kelly has called for fewer officials to be allowed on GAA pitches. This is following a spate of attacks on referees. A number of uh, those involved in GAA are also calling for this. Uh, Sean joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, John Paul. And, and nice to, thanks for talking to us as well this morning. Uh, first of all, we've been hearing, Sean, from many referees over the last number of weeks who have been abused on the pitch at all levels of the game. Many of them, if they're refereeing under 18 uh, games, under 11 games, uh, and some refs have been injured, as we have seen in other parts of the country. Would this be a good idea, do you think so, to have fewer officials on the sidelines, or would it disrupt the game as many players? Players would like their officials on the sidelines. No, I think it's a good idea to have less officials because by having less officials, you have less opportunities for abusing the referee. And also, many of those who abuse the referee initially are really only letting off steam and showing their frustration. But if there are too many on the sidelines, we can escalate. And I don't actually believe that players really uh, feel that the necessity to have a whole pile of officials on the sideline. I think once the manager is there, that's the key person. That's the person they answer to. He has the responsibility. And I think anything in excess of that isn't really necessary. Certainly, one or two more is sufficient. And I think that would make a big difference because 
when the game is on, everybody gets charged up. So what you have got to do then is try and lessen the opportunities for people who might be the best people in the world, but in the excitement of the moment could lose the right. Yeah, they get caught up in the excitement and then one thing escalates and I suppose when you have more and more people on the sideline you could see why that would happen uh, and, and also why why maybe they would target those uh, making the decisions of play. But then when we've been speaking about this, uh, Sean, many parents of younger players who contact us say the referees they feel now uh, need to make better decisions and they talk about training courses. Now refs tell us they have gone and they do go to these courses uh, but there seems to be frustration out there among supporters with the standard of refereeing. There, ha- there is, there has been, and there always will be. Because people will see their referee making a mistake, perhaps, and then that becomes the main focus of attention. But in fairness to referees, they do a lot of courses now. I know the GR constantly having courses for the police. There are exams before they can become a referee. And also, what is rarely referred to John Paul is the level of fitness that referees have to have. I mean, to referee hurling game, you really want to be a rocket man. And often these referees are probably maybe 10 years plus older than the players, and yet they have to give up with the play. And there's no credit in the world to give up for that. So I think we need to start with giving more respect to referees more recognition to them for having the bravery to take on the job because most of us wouldn't referee in a month of Sundays. So we need them, we need to respect them and to me they're a small bit like the police. We need them to keep control we have to respect them and certainly the idea of attacking them, particularly the physical attack, just cannot ever be tolerated. Well, on that, the well-known GA manager, uh, David Fitzgerald, he's openly said like he can be confrontational to referees and has been over the years, but he said he's never gone out, he's never hit a referee. He's calling on lifetime bans for those that hit a referee. When you say that should never happen, do you agree with him on this? I do, in fairness to David, he never hit a referee, even though he does get angry on the line. And I suppose... On reflection, he and many others would probably have preferred if they were away on the, the area of conflict. But be that as it may, he's right in regard to a lifetime ban, but I would say perhaps a lifetime ban with an opportunity after maybe two years to appeal to the Mercy Committee because sometimes you have to allow people to learn the lesson. And by giving them a lifetime ban, you never give them an opportunity to come back again. I think we should probably introduce something of that nature, a lifetime ban, yes, but then perhaps to give them an opportunity to reflect, to come back, because often these people are hugely committed, and this is their weak point. And if they can kind of learn the lesson and say, listen, they have a lifetime ban, I might get a chance to appeal it, I'm never again going to abuse a referee, then I think we might find a balance that way. And Sean, do you feel, because we're getting more and more calls on this over the last, uh, certainly the last six months, more than we would have before, uh, has confrontation at games, is it just getting worse? Uh, 
because many feel that many of the referees we spoke to feel following all the lockdowns and following COVID they feel that people uh, themselves not that the fun side is gone but they just seem to be more agitated and then they're bringing that out in the pitch I mean would you agree with many of, of those who are calling when I say referees have said this to us supporters have, as well have noticed this No I think these things sometimes go on cycles and when you have one attack it seems to lead to a few others subsequently for some reason or other I don't know if it's subconscious or not and then it kind of dies down again but that's not obviously to say that it's okay it's far from it and I think what we have to have is consistency in regard to how we monitor the sideline how we deal with offenders and to obviously make a distinction between the physical and the verbal. And actually, I think there's two types of verbal which should also probably be distinguished. One is the kind of letting off steam, which we all do, I suppose, when the referee makes a decision we don't like. Or as say, Griff, are you blind, blah, blah, blah. The kind of uh, letting off steam. The other is the kind of confrontational, uh, attacking, almost violent verbals, I would call it. Yeah, more or less getting physical to the referee, standing up right in front of him. Exactly. I think that should be distinguished from those who just shout and roar. Maybe that shouldn't be right either, but there is a distinction. And the role I hate, and has crept into the lot recently, I think, at inter-county level, when matches are on, the officials on the sideline verbally attacking the sideline officials for a decision made by the referee, as if the sideline official was responsible or as if he could change it. And I think that should be stopped as well because he is the nearest target to them and they just go for him bald-headed. And it looks very unsavory, demeaning, and I think, of course, it's totally counterproductive because the referee's not going to change his mind because somebody gave out to the, the sideline man and the, the game probably has proceeded but at the same time, this abuse to the side and official often continues. And I think, I think that's something we should be looking at and stamping out as well. And as a former president of the GAA, are the GAA now, did, as you outline what you think should happen there, are they looking at these measures? Will we see changes to how the game of play proceeds to protect both referees and also uh, to protect players? I would hope so, because this is a vital area and the recent violence that we've seen is very, very damaging to the image of the association. And of course also, if it happened at underage level, it's worse again. So I think the GA should look at it. I'm sure they will look at it. But also look at it from the point of view of encouraging referees as well. They need a little more protection. They need to be given a little more recognition. And I think things like maybe a holiday for referees every three or four years would be an incentive as well. But they could go off together, maybe with their wiser partners, and relax because they don't really get the opportunity. And I just feel you're absolutely right. There isn't the same regard for referees, maybe as there would have been in the past, and certainly in some other sports. So we have to look at that as well. Could be any harm to compare how we deal with referees as opposed to how other sports deal with it, and give them recognition, the encouragement that they deserve, and also, of course, the training, and 
look them over the course, if they do make mistakes, and make it clear that they to prove if they want to go further. So the the referees should be given the similar treatment. Players, is it that when you mentioned going on holiday, that they should be taking? Uh, is it that they they will pay themselves, or the GA would pay for them to go along on a holiday like like players do in many of the clubs? I think the GA should pay for them, and it shouldn't be every year. But I mean, referees usually referees some of them aging up to five, ten, twenty years, and if they had this every now and then, maybe every couple of years where they could go as a collective somewhere to be recognition for them. And of course, they'd also be discussing amongst themselves, games, the referee, mistakes they made, and how they could improve. So that'd be a positive in that as well. But definitely, we need to do more to recognise the contribution referees that are making, other than saying, can't have games of referees, so we must respect the referees. We need to do more impact behind. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, and I just before I let you go, I want to move on to Daylight Savings because you were involved with this at the very, very start of the campaign to change the way Europe looks uh, towards Daylight Savings and maybe prevent or, or stop this from happening. Uh, while we discussed this in 2018 and again in 2019, uh, changes were due to be brought. Obviously, then things changed when COVID came. What is the update now with regards to the EU's view on Daylight Savings? Will it ever change? A very good question, John Paul. I'm beginning to despair as well, but I won't give in because recently there was a research done 
by a professor at Queen's University, and she said that if this year, if we didn't put back the clocks, should save 500 euro on everybody's energy bill for the winter, apart from the other advantages. I mean, I dread now partner's time when we put back the clock, and literally winter is in overnight, and be very dark evenings, and there will be an element of depression for a lot of people who are prone to mental health issues or autism and to affect an awful lot of things. So I think we have to keep fighting and eventually hope we'll get through. Unfortunately, at European level, John Paul, it needs unanimity, and that's very hard to get. Nevertheless, it might happen. And while you're waiting for that to happen, one of our listeners, Shay, has an idea that he feels that, well, he thinks Europe will never give it and never change the back and forth of our, our clock times. But would it be an idea to bring forward the clocks going forward on the 1st of February rather than usually the end of March, as that is the first day of spring? And it would make, you know, a notable change in the in the winter and shorten the winter. Could that be an idea for Europe? Europe. Your caller is absolutely right. And I was thinking of that, that if I didn't to agree to abandon clock change altogether, that I might go a certain, uh, his route. Rather than putting the clocks back in the end of October, maybe we do it at the end of November. And rather than changing the clocks forward in the March, as he said, we might do it at the beginning of February. That would be plan B, as we say so. He's spot on there's something we might have to look at and maybe we might get agreement on that. And very finally, John in Castleton Roach, and this is something we've discussed before, he's making the point as the UK now is not part of the EU, would that create a chaos as then we will be in a different time zone to the north of Ireland? Uh, what is the EU position on, on this? And I know before you feel the UK would come with the EU and change or go with whatever the EU decides, but we've seen clashes before from the UK and the EU on other issues, and if they did not decide to go, what would the EU do? I think if we keep thinking like that, we'll never make progress. And that unfortunately seems to be the attitude, and it was the attitude at the Irish government level when this was discussed. Because they asked people would you be in favour of having two different time zones in the island of Ireland? And obviously, no one would be in favour of that. But the question absolutely right is, we should sit down with the United Kingdom. Over 80% of those who replied from the United Kingdom, that citizens of the United Kingdom, to the public consultation, said they wanted to end climate change and they wanted some more time all day wrong. So I don't think the United Kingdom will be that stupid just to be awkward by going against the rest of Europe because to be a complete logistical nightmare for them, both in the Isle of Ireland, but also in dealing with flights and all sorts of business relations with the European Union. So I think that could be overcome. But if we're going to take that attitude, we'll never make progress because we're going to say we can't do it. The United Kingdom won't agree with us. And that's given them in many ways a kind of a veto that we don't even think or know that they'll use before we start it all. If you believe something is worth doing, you go after it, you look at the obstacles, you try and remove them, and in this instance, I think you'll talk to the United Kingdom and particularly reference the members of the United Kingdom who actually said 80% we want to encounter it.
and you feel they would not be awkward and that they would go with the EU on this one and the EU would be happy to negotiate uh, with the UK. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens over the next while, Sean. Is there any, any as, as you continue to fight this, is there any timeline at all on when we could see a change to daylight savings? So I've written to Ursula van der Leyen and in the State of the Union speech she gave that day, mm. I was speaking on it and I mentioned it she was only two yards away from me. I told her to look at the clock change and to try and get back to us. So I'm waiting for her. Because in fairness to her predecessor, John Claude Juncker, was as a result of our work that he looked at it and he said we're going to end clock change. And he mentioned it in his State of the Union address, but unfortunately he's gone now and COVID came in, as you said, so maybe we might get her to open it, and that would be a big help if she did. OK, we'll, we'll await what happens for the moment, Sean. I'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. That is Ireland South MEP, Sean Kelly. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. A bar owner in New Zealand is looking for Irish staff, but in particular West Cork staff, to join him and work in his bars in New Zealand. Uh, Jacob Henderson joins me. Well, this morning our time is this evening where you are. Uh, hi, Jacob. Yeah, good day. How are things? Hi, I am fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Uh, where are you at the moment? I know you were telling me you were in Sydney at the weekend. Are you still in Sydney? Are you back in New Zealand? No, no, mate, I'm still in Sydney. We just went to uh, went to Bathurst at the big car race over here in Aussie, so we're just on the way home now. So tomorrow I'll be back in, in Matamata. You'll be back home tomorrow. Okay, now tell us first of all uh, the reason you're joining us. You're, you're seeking uh, staff uh, from in, in more so the West Cork area to go and work in your bars in New Zealand. And this is all because of the experience you felt when you spent time in Clonakilty. Just tell us about the time you spent in Clonakilty and what took you to Clan. Yeah, that's right, mate. I, um, I was playing body rugby in Canada and I met a man who uh, I made a mind there who's getting at a auntie and uncle in Clonakilty. So I asked if I could stay with him for a little while and uh, I ended up staying there for, well, just under two years actually. But um, I always remember, I always tell a story about when I first went to the local bar there, the Kilty Stone, and the guy that greeted me urged me to have a Murphy's, introduced me to the locals. And anyway, a week or so later I returned. I was running out of money. I thought my world tour was over and the guy behind the bar, Barry McAdams, he welcomed me, called me my, my name and called me a Murphy's and I just felt like I, was, I belonged all of a sudden. And was it because of the welcome you got and the way the bar staff chat to you and it's, it's a very relaxing experience? Is, is that what changed your mind about staying on and you felt the people were just a, a lot more friendly well, or is it? Yeah, yeah, well, I've never, up to that point, I've never actually been greeted by name in a, in a pub before, you know, basically anywhere. So, um, yeah, I just felt like I, I, I yeah, I just thought, oh, I, I can hang around here. These are, these are good people. So um, I ended up staying there for two years, and then I returned a year or so, so later. So there's been probably 10 mates of mine that have lived in Clon for periods of time. And one of my best mates over in New Zealand actually married a girl from Clonacildi, Ashley O'Brien. So, yeah, a fantastic time over there. So you married Ashling, and is Ashling obviously now, are, are, you, are you both now in New Zealand? No, no, I didn't marry Ashling. One of my friends. Oh, one of your friends. Sorry, I thought you said you married Ashling. All oh, right, yeah. so so it, it got so close. No, there was no, a big. Ashling wouldn't get me. 
there was a big interrelation so there you, you really settled in well where did you play rugby uh, when you were here in Ireland yeah I played for Clonacilty yeah so you were playing for Clon and I'm, I'm, and were you working then as well or how did the work situation play out for you yeah, well, I was working for Hulahan's Bakery. Oh, yeah. uh, I do a week on a day shift and then a, a week doing the graveyard shift. Okay, so you've been in Clon, you've done your two years, you've moved back to New Zealand, you you have a number of bars there. How did that come about? How, like, where did the bar ownership come from in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, well, my parents, uh, they actually started a, a bar when I was overseas, so when I returned... Um, I sort of told them about the good times that you can have over in Ireland in particular. And they actually ended up living in uh, Clonakilty for three or four months and uh, they went overseas for about two years. And during that time, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, we leased their pub in Kaumutu. And then when they returned, we opened our pub, our own pub in Matamata, which is about 45 minutes away from Chiamudu, my hometown, and oh, it's famous now for, for Hobbiton, the Lord of the Rings, carry on. And because of what you witnessed when you were in Clonakilty and the, the friendliness of the bar staff and the people, uh, you would like people from the West Cork area in particular who do work in bars uh, to see if they'd be interested in moving to New Zealand and working in your bars yeah, so you can, you, can, you can, I suppose, the, the experience you had, you can give to your customers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, we just, we always try to give that experience that I learned from my time in Clon. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, labour market's pretty tight over here. I think it's quite tight over where you are as well, but uh, struggling to think of uh, places or people where we could find people, so I thought I'd just give it a go. And, uh, yeah, really hopeful that uh, someone who's thinking of travelling to this part of the world, we can, uh, we can sort of look after them for a while at least, yeah. And when people go, if, if they do sign up, have you got many already uh, that are interested or, or how is the campaign going? Uh, we've had a handful of applicants so far. Um, I've been away this weekend, so when I return tomorrow, I'll give them a lot closer look. But yeah, I'm still urging people to, to try um, for more the merrier. Yeah. And if people do wish to, that are listening now and they want to take you up on this offer, uh, a lot of people will, will wonder, okay, if I go work in a bar in New Zealand, what's accommodation like? Uh, what's the cost of living like? How are things at the moment there? Um, yeah, good question. Uh, well, we'd probably just find a, a room with some uh, like-minded people, but uh, yeah, well, you would look after you. You'd have a good wage. You'd be able to have a good time. You'd have it would allow you to have time to travel and see New Zealand. Um, so yeah, that, that thing wouldn't be wouldn't be too bad. And is accommodation included, or do people have to search for for accommodation then in those areas? Oh, I think we take care of accommodation for the first month and, and set you up with something, and then uh, yeah, once you settled in, you take it over from there. Well, it's uh, for anybody who is working uh, in a bar in the area of West Cork and would be considering going down under. It is a very attractive opportunity. Uh, we wish you well. Uh, how is business, as you say there, your labour market is tight. What is business like for the bar industry at the moment uh, in New Zealand? Oh, it's great. Well, yeah, you know, we were looking forward to a big summer, but we're just uh, struggling to find people to pull some points. So if we can get that, we'll have a really good summer. 
well, hopefully, hopefully you, you get a, a good luck following this, that there is somebody who is willing to move uh, for the moment. Uh, we'll leave it there. The line is kind of uh, coming and going, but for the moment, we'll leave it there, Jacob. And thanks for joining us uh, this morning uh, from Sydney. Uh, that is uh, Jacob Henderson. So are you a bar person uh, in the West Cork area that uh, is looking for a change? Maybe you do want to go travelling and explore uh, the likes of New Zealand. Well, if you do, this is the email you will send your details to. Uh, it's Masha, Masha, that's M-A-T, A-M-A-T-A at readout.nz Okay, Masha Masha at readout.nz We have the details here on file. If you do wish to uh, go down under and experience life in New Zealand, uh, you know, he says they look after their all their staff and they look after accommodation for the first month. So it might be something that you were interested in. Uh, if you uh, think that would be a change for you, let us know. Bernie taking your calls on 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. JP with you until one on Cork today. Uh, Bernie taking your comments. 0818103103 you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 and questions for Annalisa are welcome our expert when it comes to all things nutritional from the Health Hub and Banning College she'll be along after 12.30 if you have a question for Annalisa get that into us now on those numbers uh, and indeed text or whatsapp 0862103103 but a lot of calls and comments on various issues we've been discussing right across the morning and emails into us too first of all though at the very start of the programme, we were chatting with our reporter, Barry White, who's in Krishla in uh, County Donegal. And we were mentioning the vigil when we spoke with Councillor Sean O'Donovan that is going to take place in Bandon this coming Wednesday evening uh, at Bridge Place or the Old Fish Corner, as locals would know it, in Bandon at seven o'clock. Also a text in from Mary, who says there's going to be a remembrance for the victims of Krishla in St. Ita's Church in Ashford in County Limerick. And that's going ahead tonight at 8 o'clock in Ashford. Now, from uh, sporting matters, we were speaking with uh, the Ireland South MEP, Sean Kelly. And while he's an MEP, he's obviously a former uh, GA president. And we were discussing the issue of should, at this stage, should officials be banned from the sidelines. This is over the ongoing violence and ongoing abuse referees uh, are being uh, have been receiving over the last while and are still receiving. Many of this it seems to be from underage games, but anyhow, apart from that people just uh, are opening up the debate on if there needs to be a change on the sidelines uh, some people feel no because a lot of those officials do spur on the players to give it that extra uh, while others feel no they don't anyhow uh, mixed views on this first of all Mike says uh, overall Mike says in Bantry he thinks sport is gone too serious a parish against parish GAA players should get paid the rugby referees get more respect and the players respect the rugby referee says Mike in Bantry while Teresa very like Mike feels when you look at other sports and she's also looking at rugby there is a higher level of respect yes things can get out of hand yes players and supporters get frustrated but there is more of a respect something you don't see as much in soccer or DGAA says Teresa while Liam is in bluff Uh, Liam feels many of the referees bring a lot of bias to a game and they draw a lot of the trouble on themselves. Why don't they bring in a second referee for the second half? There is no official law on the sideline as Liam says they all have earphones anyway so they don't need to be there. Uh, Nina on to Bernie in 0818-103-103 she feels that underage games people get too serious. It's the adults Nina blames. They get too worked up and then the children who are playing 
they're mostly fine but the adults go wild uh, says Nina and then they go for the referee shouting abusing him uh, but she feels it's a very bad example for those young people that are playing uh, while Connor says yes refs do make bad decisions but feels uh, there has always been problems in sport when it comes to refereeing uh, but it seems to have got worse in recent times but underage games more so now these games encourage those young players to get involved but not so much when they see their parents fighting on the sideline some are just disgraceful says Connor at the end of the day if a wrong decision is made fine but no need for violence uh, surely they can uh, do or make their voices heard a different way without getting violent while Deirdre feels more training is needed for referees decisions a lot of the time given are wrong and the rules of the game are not taken into account it's like the supporters have one rule in mind and the referee can have a different rule uh, says Deirdre while Joey feels underage games for some reason always brought trouble uh, to the sidelines and he feels they need to have a look at the underage games and the structure within the GA that it was always a problem anyhow your views are welcome on 0818 103 103 you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 mixed views there when it comes to the issue of the uh, GEA and the referee and the sidelines your views are welcome on that and earlier we were discussing I touched on this house prices and house building and this is how a number of new homes completed next year that will fall because of higher costs and it's already seemingly prompting developers to delay schemes and this is coming from new forecasts from Davy Stockbrokers they're looking at the outlook for 2024 and they feel that the supply and this mainly starting with apartments could be worse because there's a longer lead-in time to build those apartments than a house and they're going to go into decline first and then they're looking on to the home side of things then outside of the apartments the completions for homes it's not going to really go anywhere they feel next year there's going to be a small decline in new homes from this year's expected 28,000 to 27,000 but it's next year is where we will see a major decline and builders have been complaining for months that the commercial viability of new homes is being squeezed by a number of combinations. Uh, first of all, it was the supply chain, uh, disruption within the supply chain. Then it was the rising costs of materials, including timber, which we have heard of over the last year at this stage nearly, and also steel. And now it's the concrete levy, as they're calling it, which was introduced in the budget. So all of these together now, what is happening is they're putting an upper limit on house prices and then, as a result, the central bank's mortgage rules when you look at their rules compared to the way house prices are going people are going to find it very very hard to go along get a mortgage and purchase a home because prices will just increase increase and increase and in recent years, the financial gap between building costs, the mortgage gap, uh, that can be plugged into the apartment market. So if people find it hard to buy a home, sometimes they can buy an apartment. But now these apartments, they're being uh, more or less snapped up by these build to rent investors. So a lot of these companies are buying the apartments in bulk. So then for the ordinary person, they can't go along and buy them. And if you're going to have a delay now in building apartments, it's going to have a wider number 
knock-on effects. And a lot of these uh, critics argue that these so-called cuckoo funds, uh, that they have displaced the traditional home buyers and the government and the industry themselves. Uh, They say big developments backed by the funds would have not been viable if they had relied just on the domestic market. But many then are saying it's leaving the people who want to buy a house and those who need to have a roof over their heads, they can't go along and afford a house because you have the prices increasing and then because the mortgages and the rules surrounding mortgages are not changing, people simply can't afford a house, but it's going to get worse next year and the costs are going to increase and increase, which will lead then to higher house prices. Are you affected by that? I think many people will be. Uh, and it won't be a shock to anybody listening to hear that that is going to happen and to hear the prices are increasing and while there's talks of a recession across Europe and usually when you hear of a recession it means house prices will decrease Uh, why that may happen uh, seemingly there'll be a short window but overall the cost of building could outweigh that I suppose we'll have to see what happens over the next six to nine months on that anyhow uh, your views are welcome Uh, I know earlier uh, someone was on to us who was building a one-off home they were due to start construction in February and already uh, their costs before they ever uh, get into the site have increased to more than what they budgeted for uh, when they were planning this during the summer so it is uh, taking a knock on effect to so many people your views are welcome 0818103103 you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at Cork Coco Clonakilty Charity Ball that will be held in Dunmore House Hotel in Clonakilty. It's on Saturday the 19th of November with proceeds going to Clonakilty Playground Fund. Uh, tickets are available. You can get them locally or indeed you can get them on clonakilty.ie forward slash events. And can talk cancer bereavement support groups for adults. They continue their meetings for October, November and December and they'll continue in the Fermoy Community Resource Centre and the Lakela Family. Family Resource Centre in Mallow. If you want more information, you can call or indeed you can text them. You can do that to 089-239-0863 or you can email them cantalk15 at gmail.com and Duke's Clonakilty, they will hold a special commemoration event and that will take place in this coming, no, the Friday the 19th of, of November actually, it won't be this coming Friday, Friday the 18th of November at the Clonakilty J Complex. This is for the tragic deaths of Sean Hales and Dick Barrish, and that's all part of Duke's Clonacilty heritage. And on the 27th of October, there will be a pumpkin carving for kids at the Presentational Pastoral Centre in Donnerill. It's a 10 euro. Pumpkins are supplied. And if you want more information on how to go along there and take part in that pumpkin carving for kids in Donnerill, call Sinead and she's on 085 824 Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And earlier this morning on the programme, we spoke with Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, who's on the Oroctus Tourism Committee. And the reason we spoke to him was many feel that more should be done to promote Cork first for tourism and also then West Cork and even consider West Cork as a separate county when it comes just to tourism alone and for promotion purposes. And many people across the county had their own views on this and felt. Uh, the same should be had for their area because they feel when they market Cork as one, you are leaving out a number of areas 
whereby the likes of Fermoy and Mitchellstown are not included. Uh, it's hard then to include East Cork if you have Cork City in the advert. And these are adverts not only here targeting Ireland, but targeting those abroad. Well, this is an email in uh, from Onia. And uh, Onia had a friend of hers from Canada home recently. And she feels, first of all, does anybody notice the Wild Atlantic Way completely disregards the most scenic drive from Kinsale to Skibbereen. So she travelled from Kinsale to Inchidoni on Wednesday last with a friend of hers who had travelled over from Canada. Now the friend decided to video all along the way the coast, that's the coastal road from Kinsale uh, towards Inchidoni and her friend then put this up on, on her own Facebook page and those in Canada watching this were asking her oh are you still in Ireland or have you gone somewhere else the scenes were amazing uh, but so much so Anya is saying can Tourism Ireland not include these areas in their adverts for Ireland uh, they include the same areas always Anya uh, says I was raging and it was not highlighting the green to complete the Cork coast it was just highlighting the beauty of the area and then she sends us on uh, the advert that her friend got so when her friend was booking her holiday to Ireland and was inquiring about where to go in Ireland she did make contact on the website for Tourism Ireland and they emailed her various details on how to plan your journey on the Wild Atlantic Way and on that for example to plan your journey uh, they do now we did mention this a lot of the flights will land in Shannon Airport so you know with the connection to the uh, to the United States uh, that is you know you can see why uh, they, they would say Shannon because the flights are flying in there but outside of that then, outside of Shannon uh, first of all you were greeted with a big huge picture of the Cliffs of Moher and you plan your journey around there, so they're starting you in County Clare, uh, then they go further west along Galway and you're basically going up along the coast and along the west coast and there is no real mention of Cork until you get to the very end where there's a brief mention, but mainly they are showing, according to the email that Oni has sent on to us, it's going from County Clare up at the Wild Atlantic Way but it's not mentioning Cork or even Kerry on uh, some of the yeah there's no mention of Kerry or Cork on, on the rest of these emails anyhow uh, this is just an example uh, that that person Anya has got from her friend in Canada but she's saying there's so many various roads that they could use for example the coastal road from Kinsale uh, which will bring you into towards the League and across then you can go to Cork Mac or, or onto Clonacilty and all those areas uh, that, the roads like that and I'm sure there's a lot more uh, in other areas uh, that we could use that as an example that could be used in a tourism Ireland but also in this mailing list if you were abroad thinking of going to Ireland and thinking of uh, visiting the various areas along the Wild Atlantic Way uh, you wouldn't really be you know, showing down the Cork route it's more or less other routes and that's just on the email uh, the example that Anya has sent us from what our friend in Canada had anyhow uh, your views are welcome on that are we losing out overall tourist wise even though most would say we've had a good tourist spell in Cork for the last while should more be done to, to promote the Cork area or do you feel we're being excluded let us know on text or WhatsApp tap 0862-103-103. And then something totally different as we spotted this morning in the papers and it's often said that dogs, that they can look like their owners but the resemblance is not just limited to the appearance. It seems now that the pets can act like their owners too and pets are linked to how their owners, uh, their personality for example would be like. So uh, for example they say those who have border terriers are likely to be charming 
charming, lively people, while maybe someone who had a, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, for example, uh, they're noted to be trustworthy and also affectionate people. And then if you have a Jack Russell, well, the Jack Russells are very loyal and they say those people with Jack Russells are also very loyal. And this is a, it's a survey coming out from the Kennel Club and they say that many of the results show that those who enjoy experiences and taking risks and have a lot of hobbies, uh, they, those type of people uh, tend to have dogs like whippets. But then owners deem the most emotional stable so the most uh, pers- the people that are emotionally stable and also the people who are the most positive and happy people, uh, they all had golden retrievers. And it goes on with various pets uh, that, that they mark that have uh, personality likes to their owners. So while many say you look like a dog, uh, your personality also goes seemingly with your dog. And that's coming from a, a survey from the Kennel Club. Uh, would you agree with that? Interesting golden retrievers. I think many people who have golden retrievers seemingly happy. They they're always look like they're happy dogs. But do you, would you agree with that survey? Or do you think it's a little rubbish? Let us know. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Keep you your uh, questions coming in for Annalisa as well. She's joining us very shortly. You can call Bernie as well with those on 0818 103 103. And just on the issue of tourism, Elizabeth says, uh, when you're speaking about that, why is Cork City advertised on the east of the TV advert for the ancient east? I always thought we were in the south, says Elizabeth. Yes, well, Cork City seems to be in both for the Wild Atlantic Way and Ireland's ancient east. And yeah, while we are in the south, when you are driving into Cork, uh, even driving in the motorway uh, on the EMA just before Mitchellstown you will see a sign saying welcome to Cork part of Ireland's ancient east so for the tourism branding of that area of Ireland they do include some parts of East Cork uh, North Cork and Cork City is also featured in that but also for the Wild Atlantic Way then on the other side they do feature uh, as part of Cork City in those adverts so uh, yeah it is confusing uh, that, uh, just, just a marketing strategy I would imagine why they do that I'm not too sure because as you say we're, we're not really on the east and on daylight savings Agnes in Bantry uh, feels that if the time was changed to going back at the end of November rather than the end of this month and then if they went forward again in February like Shay outlined earlier in the show we then would have two months of an extra day light and two months less of winter so she feels that's the way to do it shorten the time frame of daylight savings will People agree with that. Uh, rather than scrapping it all together, if that's not going to happen, then just shorten what we have. Agnes in Bantry on 0818 103 103. C103's Free Fuel Friday. With East Cork Oil, serving Cork City and County and across Munster. For locations, see your local oil company.ie. Always local. Listen and win across October with C103's Free Fuel Friday. We had so many winners last Friday on the show from Ken Tobin on Cork's More Music Breakfast right through to Martina uh, O'Donoghue on a Drive Time. We'll do it all over again this coming Friday because every Friday across the month of October we're giving away one hundred euros fuel vouchers stay listening to identify the star in the car if you can identify the star in the car then text or whatsapp in for your chance to win c103's free fuel friday with east cork oil serving cork city and county and across munster if you want further locations see your local oil company.ie always local only on c103 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And just a final comment on the referees, and this is Kieran from Bantry, who's a current GAA ref. He says, I only do and ref underage games as a result of verbal abuse from adult games. Now, children are, for the most part, a pleasure to ref. It's the sidelines and the parents that are usually the issue. What happened in Roscommon and Wexford was inevitable and it's a shame that it took that to get us talking about this. Errors will be made by referees, but for the vast majority of us, if not all, there is no bias behind them. We're all human, uh, says Kieran And Lisa, whose partner is a referee, similar to Kieran says everybody will make mistakes and there is training for uh, referees and many do the training and do the best of their ability but the abuse is not on and again it's underage games it's always underage more than adult games the players and the children are a joy to ref it's those on the sidelines it's where the trouble comes from uh, says Lisa on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and Lisa Drizel joins us from the Health Hub in Balancolic as usual on a Monday afternoon afternoon to you Annalisa afternoon John Paul and a lot of questions in so let's get straight into them first of all this is from John Annalisa he's in his late 30s and he's taken vitamin C liquid form now he's been taking this for nearly a month and he feels it's given him a huge energy boost more than vitamin D now should it give him an energy boost and why is he feeling the effects more of vitamin C than any others he has taken before um, absolutely no way of knowing why, John Paul. So uh, vitamin C typically it would be used for lots of different things in the body. It's mostly, mostly we think it's for the immune system, but it's a really important factor in building collagen for healthy bones and healthy skin and healthy joints. It's also a big one in the liver to help detoxify. Um, it does help with the immune system as well. And it's generally what we call an antioxidant, which means that it can help mop up harmful chemicals that come from sort of over-exercise or pollution or exposure to toxins. So for John, obviously this is, obviously he must have been very deficient and this is actually making a big difference to him because it's putting back in what the body didn't have. Maybe he doesn't need vitamin D to that extent, but there's really very little way of knowing what you need. You know, it's not possible to do a, a comprehensive test to say at any one time what you're deficient in because it could change an hour later and it could change the following day depending on what you've eaten as well and everybody is very different so I think if he's feeling great take it it certainly won't do him any harm uh, vitamin C is water soluble so what you don't use you just wee out so it's a very safe one to take it's one of the ones that's safe to take with most medications as well and if you feel great on it fantastic yeah well it's working for John so good for you John and uh, can you ask Annalisa JP what would uh, she recommend for a lady who went through the menopause in her mid 40s but has put on a good bit of weight and also now suffers a lot with the bowel and also flatulence problems any uh, advice for this person Annalisa Okay, so there's a few different things, I suppose, there really, John Paul. And actually, once you go through menopause, most women will find that it starts to get really, really hard to lose weight and it goes on very, very easily. And even women who typically wouldn't have put it on around the middle will start putting it on around their tummies during and after menopause. And it is heartbreaking because it is very, very difficult to lose that weight. So in terms of weight, the best thing I could recommend is probably what we call a low-carb diet, which really effectively means you cut out bread, pasta, potatoes, um, rice, noodles, 
obviously all sweet things like cakes, biscuits, sweets, anything with sugar in it. And uh, you have a diet that's very rich in good quality proteins like fish, meat, eggs, um, you know, cheese, yogurts, um, pulses and lentils, and loads and loads and loads of vegetables. So I think that is probably the key in terms of diet. And with everything else, it's portion control as well. There's a few things that can help with the fat burning around the middle. Garcinia cambogia is one that can help certain people. It also, for some people as well, they find it definitely helps with sugar cravings. The other one is CLA, which is called conjugated linoleic acid, CLA. CLA can help you burn fat as a fuel um, rather than burning carbohydrates. So it helps to improve your fat burning capabilities. Um, there's another supplement that came out on the market recently. We've had some good feedback on it. It's by New Nordic and it's called Fat Burner. So you could try those to kind of supplement your diet. In terms of flatulence, if you have to go out, there is something you can take to kind of reduce the flatulence, which is called activated charcoal. You can get it in powder form or you can get it in capsule form. And you need to take it before and after you eat. And you need to take quite a bit of it. So it's an awkward old thing to take, John Paul. So generally, I would say that maybe if you're not digesting, try a digestive enzyme. That could help with the flatulence. Or if it's happened after a holiday or after an antibiotic, it might be an imbalance of bacteria in which case you could try a probiotic Okay and this one comes up quite a lot regarding cramps in legs at night any remedy for this Annalisa? Yeah that's actually isn't it one of the, probably the most common questions is. get John Paul on the yeah. radio so there's a few different reasons why you would get um, cramps in your legs so one of the most common causes is low iron so it might be good to get your bloods checked by your doctor and make sure that your iron levels aren't low eating liver once a week is a great way of getting your iron up naturally we get it from red meat mainly and we get it from green leafy vegetables but the red meat version of iron is much better so that could be one reason or being low in vitamin B12 is another reason um, some people who would be low in vitamin D could complain of sore bones and restless legs but that's less common and then the most common remedy that we find works in the in the shop here with our customers is taking magnesium. So magnesium is kind of harder to get from the diet. And I do think it's, we have busy, stressful lifestyles. Our need for magnesium increases. So you could try, um, like Viridian do a lovely magnesium, which is a very strong one, 300 milligrams per capsule. Um, you could take that in the evening before your legs get restless. Um, Nutri-Advanced do a lovely one, which is the Mega Mag Muscleese. And there's a lot of other stuff in there besides just magnesium for restless legs. And then if none of those work, you could try asking your doctor to give you a prescription for quinine, which we usually would know as being a treatment for malaria or being in a gin and tonic, the tonic part. But it can help with restless legs. Now, there are side effects to it, so I would advise try all the other stuff first. And this is a person who suffers from migraines, Annalisa, and headaches. Uh, this person has been experiencing these recently and had a severe migraine last Wednesday. Now, she's still feeling t- quite tired from the migraine last Wednesday. She went to her doctor and the doctor has recommended migraine medication or perhaps a change to the contraception. Any advice? Actually, that second thing there I think would be definitely worth considering. So migraines are a very difficult thing to get a handle on because lots of people get them, but their triggers are all very different. The most common triggers, one would be hormonal. So that would be maybe if if, if someone has just started developing them after going on a new pill, you could maybe look at that being the culprit. But a lot of women will get more migraines around the time of their periods. And the key to that actually is to support the liver because if the liver is detoxifying very well and getting rid of all hormones, there's less chance that 
um, they'll be there around to act as a trigger. So taking a good liver supplement like um, the Nutri, Nutri Advanced um, have a great milk thistle supplement, which is really good. It's got other stuff in there to sort of help with detoxification. NAC is another good one for particularly liver detoxification of old hormones. Um, another one then would be NHP. They do an advanced liver support, which is very good. And even if it's not hormonal, any liver support, liver and headaches tend to go in hand in hand. So um, that would be certainly something that you could focus on. Another thing you could do is take a high dose of vitamin B2, which is um, riboflavin. Now, this doesn't work for everybody, but some people find that they get great relief. This is more for people who could get two or three migraines a week. You need to take 400 milligrams of it, and it's just a vitamin B2, which is also called riboflavin. And that, for some reason, can help for a lot of people. Magnesium is another one that you could try. I would suggest trying something like magnesium biglycinate because the glycine component of that might also help with migraines. Rule out any neck problems because sometimes tension and neck problems will trigger migraines. And then look at foods like cheese, caffeine, coffee, chocolate. They'd be all very common triggers as well. Okay, hopefully that helps that person. Now, Nora Annalisa has arthritis pain in her hands, particularly, Nora says, at the base of her thumbs down to her wrist. It's quite painful, even just doing household chores. Any advice for her? Yeah, I definitely would start on an anti-inflammatory supplement there to kind of get that pain and inflammation down. And we get really good feedback on one called Curcudine, C U R C. Sorry, Curcu, C-U-R-C-U-D-Y-N Forte. Um, it's by a company called Nutri Advanced, and we get great feedback on that for kind of bringing down pain because if there's pain, the inflammation needs to be brought under control before you can take joint support supplements because otherwise the joint support supplements will not be able to do their kind of re-healing and rebuilding work. So definitely, if you can't get your hands on the Curcudine Forte, maybe just get... Um, Solgar 7 is another very nice one as well that we find works well. Or even just a turmeric extract can work well. Um, I know that Viridian do a curcumin complex, which is the turmeric extract. So try that first for at least a month or two and then take a joint support supplement. So the ones that we find work very well, um, the GAL UC2 cartilage is a lovely one. Um, there's one, a company here in Ireland make one which is called Joint Support. Unfortunately, it's been out of stock for a while, but we get great feedback on that. That's by a company called One Nutrition. Okay, and this is for a person, no name on this uh, WhatsApp, but they're getting cold sores on their lips and they take lynceine with vitamin C and started Revive Active two weeks ago. Any advice? Yeah, they're the bane of people's lives, John Paul. Um, generally a cold sore, so that's due to what we call the herpes simplex virus. And it you catch it when you're young, generally when somebody who has the virus kisses you and passes it on as babies even, you know, you could have it as early as then. And that virus remains dormant in your system all the time. And your immune system mostly keeps it under control. But if you're run down or if there's other triggers like sunlight, that can activate the um the virus and you'll get a lot of cold sores. So what I'd suggest in this case is incre- increase your dose of L-lysine. If you're taking 1,000 milligrams a day, maybe try and up it to 1,000 milligrams three times a day for the time being. Make sure that you wear um, lip balm that has got a high uh, um, SPF factor in it to protect it from the sunshine. And then you could also use, um, I find, because I get them myself, the the 
the biopropolis is a kind of a cream that can you can put on your lips. If you can catch it when it starts to tingle, it can help it reduce hugely in size, but also takes most of the pain out of it. So that biopropolis cream is very good. And then maybe take a, a vitamin C and zinc supplement because sometimes that can be the missing link for the immune system. And speaking of immune system, Mary is in Killarney. She's just after COVID. She's over 60. Should she take something to build her up now? Well, I definitely think be taking vitamin D. There's numerous studies now at this point that have shown people who are deficient in vitamin D not only get COVID more frequently, but they also get sicker. So make sure that you're... And, you know, we've had a really good summer, but we will be running out of vitamin D around now and our animals will be going indoors so you won't be getting it from your food. So take a vitamin D supplement. They are cheap. You'll pick them up in any health shop or you'll get even you'll even get them in a supermarket. So if you're a bit exhausted after COVID, I certainly could recommend a tonic like the Source of Life, Life Gold. Um, it's great for just giving you an energy boost and kind of making sure that you get a good dose of all these really good nutrients plus a whole load of superfoods. So you might get a good lift of from that. Um, so that could be a good one. Some people find the Revive Active great and some people find the source of life better. But then throughout the winter, I think just to protect yourself, you can take your vitamin D, you could take a vitamin C and zinc as well, which is always really lovely for the immune system and very cheap to pick up and buy. And then as soon as you feel you're sickening, I think it's you could take things like, you know, echinacea, um, olive leaf extract. These are all great ones to kind of reduce virus load and if you can do that you don't get sick so treat yourself as needed like that and Mary is in Castle Island Uh, she has diverticulitis is there any cure for this or any any advice you can give her on this so diverticulitis and diverticulosis so diverticulosis is actually where you've developed the condition which means that in the smooth muscle of the lower part of the bowel the colon it's kind of weakened in areas and it has blown out to create little pouches and the problem is is that undigested food and other matter, fecal matter, can get stuck in and become infected. That's when you call it diverticulitis. If you've got diverticulitis, you will probably need an antibiotic. So you'll only get that when there's an infection, but diverticulosis you're really stuck with. So it's all about management, making sure that you have a very gentle, regular bowel movement, that you're not straining. Um, So taking supplements like, um, first of all, I would recommend definitely the psyllium husk, which is a lovely... um, soluble fibre you can add a tablespoon onto your breakfast cereal in the morning and that really does help keep the stool nice and soft and easy to pass it also feeds the good bacteria I'd also recommend a probiotic um, we will, we love the Udo's or the BioCult and there's a new one I've got in recently that I'm a big fan of which is Nature's Plus Immune Microbiome which is a really lovely kind of broad spectrum one as well great for supporting people with allergies or hay fever as well as just the general immune support and then um, other things that can help you know aloe vera can be another lovely supplement to take and in terms of your diet make sure that there's plenty of soluble fiber like you you get that in kind of pears um, stewed apples are wonderful that's why they say the apple a day to keep the doctor away um, oats are fantastic for breakfast these will all have high levels of soluble fiber and um, drink plenty of water Okay, well, hopefully that helps uh, a lot of callers today to the show. For the moment, Annalisa, thanks for joining us. Of course, people can go back on your website and and get all that information on your Facebook and thehealthhub.com for the moment. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John.
Uh, that is Annalise that just out there from the Health Hub in Banning Colleague. And you can also go back on our own website, c103.ie or the C103 app. Just click on podcast and you can listen back to everything Annalisa has recommended today. Enjoy your Monday afternoon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.